Hey guys, so welcome back to this brand new episode of JL's podcast. I had an awesome privilege of chatting to one of my co-workers about um, a little bit of her life and her story. Her name is Ivana. I really hope you enjoy this episode. I got a lot out of it. And um, just a little bit about um, this background. We work together. So we work with a lot of at-risk young people. Um, who are disengaged from um, from from high school for one reason or the other, and so um, having worked with Ivana for probably the better part of about four and a half years now, um, we have gone through quite a lot together. We're part of a team of um, of four people now. Now is um, all the way up to five, so. Been through a lot, seen a lot of things happen, seen a lot of changes, and um, you know, part of working with people who are um, what would be sometimes high risk um, is that you you really get to know your teammates um, really well and the people that um, you're doing this this work with. And so, one of the things that I've been uh, that I've seen. Um, her go through is a quite a massive shift in um, in in becoming more and more of who she is, and so uh, this is actually the first part of a conversation that's going to be ongoing and leading towards this um, this real fresh and sort of unique idea and ministry that comes out of her called Hope Defines Her, which. This is really just the background of, and so I hope you enjoy this conversation. It's gonna put a lot of light to the later conversation. So it's a, it's a two-part. Have a listen. Hope it it, it encourages you because there's quite a lot of uh, really good and key things that are actually discussed in these uh, in this two-part episode. And um, be on the lookout for more of these to happen. The music you're hearing in the background is from my friend Elise. I'm going to link her down below as well. Um, she's just an incredible keys and piano player. Um, yeah, but apart from that, without further ado, let's jump straight into the podcasting conversation with Ivana. Cool. So thanks for doing this, Ivana. Um, do I speak? You get to. Oh, okay, yeah, yes, cool. You get to speak. This, the point of of this is to get you to talk. Oh, okay. Sorry. So, <laughs> now I've known you for the better part of five years, mm-hmm. I believe so. And I think the longest conversation we've had was probably about two hours. Was that one Three way hours. Two Three hours. Yeah. And that was on the way back from camp, not camp, retreat, Ultimate retreat. Yes. And we've been working together for three years plus. Yeah. Now, you're probably one of the more interesting people that I know. <laughs> so, however, I have, well, I have heard bits of your story and your yeah. testimony. Mm-hmm. But um, there are people who don't know you, 
I don't know your testimony and how you came to faith and why. Yep. So why don't you tell us a bit about that? Testimony, yeah, it's, it's a strange... Start where you want to. Testimonies are a strange assortment when it comes to being asked your testimony. Often I, when I think about my testimony, I think about the context. Okay. Um, every time I was like, oh, what's the context of why I tell the story? But for me, um, for my story, if I was to start with anything about the testimony, I would say I think the fact that I am where I am now and who I am to myself now um, is a testament to the fact that there must be something more. I think the question for me for most of my life was I didn't, I needed something to reassure me because what I saw around me from a very young age was very painful. Mm-hmm. Um, look, I, I think I have amazing, I have an amazing family. Mm. Uh, I love my father. I have so much respect for my father. He is um, probably in a weird way, my greatest villain and my greatest hero. People have asked me, like, what does that mean? I go, well, when you think of a story, you think of, you know, there's a, a, like a kind of, I guess, a, a, you always say there's a villain, there's a hero. And when you have a father that's your villain, a hero, it really shapes you as a woman about who you are. Mm. Because there is a person that you constantly admire and adore and want his complete love and acceptance and affection and... Um, to tell you that you are loved, but he's also the same person that's telling you that you are not deserving of love. It's the same voice. It becomes a very complicated thing. It's simple, but it's not at the same time. So since I was a little girl, I was raised by a father that did say he was Christian. He is Christian, but it was quite odd because we were never really connected into church. I was never really around other Christians besides my dad, and my mum came to faith a little bit later on. Um, she came to faith after I was born. She became a Christian a lot later on, probably when my brother was born. So there's about seven years between me and my brother, my youngest brother, Aaron. Um, so for me, I remember when I first got my first Bible. Um, so I, I was just a little girl and I was always wanting to be loved and I always loved people, but I didn't always get love back. And so I was about, I think I was about probably seven. Mm. And we went this boat, and there was a boat, I forgot what it was called, it was a duelist or whatever it was called. It was a boat that used to travel around the world, and, and there'd be Bibles and all this type of stuff. And I remember that day, it was such a good day. It was actually a good family day. Those days weren't often. They were very, very rare. And I remember my dad, um, we went to the bookstore on the boat, and he, the boat was docked in Frio, and he bought me my first Bible. Wow. That book, um, Illustrated Bible, became my favorite book throughout my childhood. Yeah. Like, you know when you have a child that loves loves their teddy bear or loves their blankie and that's their safe thing and they will literally, like, hug it until it's, like, falling apart and it smells like mm-hmm. slobber and mm-hmm. all But it's of such great comfort. So for me, I didn't have a blankie. I had a Bible. Wow. Um, I slept with it. Mm-hmm. I, to the point where it fell apart several times and I had to contact it, put sticky tape on it. So it was actually something I actually slept with. I, let, I slept with it under my pillow. And every time when, after I've had a, a really bad night and I've been yelled at, screamed at, I would cry and I would look at that Bible and feel reassured. So for me, I just, I knew there was that God. I knew there was something better than what I saw. Mm. And I think that was from a very young age. Um, I always wanted to, to belong and wanted to 
feel like I did belong and I never found that. But in the Bible I did. It was strange. It was just a reassuring thing. Yeah. Every time I knew that if everything was really bad, I could pray and um, somehow I could sleep, you know, like I could cry myself to sleep at night holding the Bible. Mm. That was reassurance. I think that was wow. where my story started with, with the whole like God side of things. Yeah. Um, I went through life, cr- not cruising, but I kind of, I never, I was never really bad, but I was never really good. Mm. You know, I, I always had a real like, um, you know, you've got the kids that are like doing drugs or, or making really bad decisions or you've got like super achieving kids. I was neither. Mm. I was always like a blend and I found that I was always like kind of tripping over in life and I was never aware of my light. I was never aware of my color or like I wasn't aware of what I brought to a room Mm. and I was always Mm. the coolest person sidekick. I was never my own protagonist. I was always just, you know, hoping to just catch a ride in someone else's glory. Mm. You know, I was happy with that. I was satisfied Um, and I accepted that for a long time. So I remember that was pretty much my life. And so I was never bad, never good. So you kind of never get seen. And you, you want to be seen, but you don't. And that was kind of my life. And in, in high school, I I went to, you know, private high school eventually after I had to move from a few from a school because I um, kicked a boy in the shin because he um, he called me a ching chong and I was like, that's it. It's enough for us. We'll smash you back. Mm. Um, There's a bit of an altercation. So I end up in this private school. And in that time, I – I remember the first time I developed an eating disorder, mm. and so I was very, so I'm Australian-born Chinese. Um, that's actually a massive part of who I am, and I have struggled very much my life trying to understand what that looks like. Yeah, you know, I either had to be extremely white, or I had to be extremely Asian, or I had to find some sort of Asian that made sense to me, and I didn't know what made sense to me. I come home, my family would tell me one thing, I go to school, someone tells me something else, and I just really was one of this very misplaced, in between, confused kids. So when I was, um, I got to a point where I, I remember where I thought it was my freedom, but it was not my freedom. Mm-hmm. So I was uh, in year, I was in primary school, I was in year seven, and yeah, that's when it started. I, you know, my dad was really hard on me, like it was constant berating and stuff, and not to pull him down. Um, and yeah, this, yeah, it started this really horrible, very addictive, um, very long and very arduous relationship. I call it toxic relationship with, with bulimia nervosa, which plagued me till just recently. So I've had it for over 20 years. Wow. So that was always in the background. And yeah, anyway, so had that um, church in and out. And then when I was 14 years old, I still had the whole bulimia and depression and stuff going on. Um, I, you know, just made a decision to, to get baptized. I wasn't, I've never attended youth group. Mm. I've been a youth leader, I've been a kids leader, I've been every sort of leader. I've never actually attended youth group myself. As a youth kid. Never. Never. <laughs> I know, right? I went. Still I actually went to Kingsbury Christian College. Yeah, and I wow. never, ever, I, do you know what I wanted to do? What? I wanted to attend youth group. Eh? I wanted to be a teenager. But no, because I had to work my family restaurant. So no, that's I right. never got to. That's but that's right. okay. I still could pull a pretty good youth group night without even going to youth group as a youth. So I had no idea what I was doing. Um, but yeah, so I, yeah, made a decision and I became, I decided that, you know what, I wanted to be a Christian. Mm. Had nothing to do with the fact that I had crushes on really hot Christian guys in high school and that prayer meeting was time for hot guys. Nothing to do with that. But I, yeah, so I decided to get baptized at 14, which I did. And, um, yeah, and it's, you know, I still didn't have a matter change in my life. I've got to be honest. It was still pretty much the same. It did guide me, though. Yeah, but it did guide me, though. 
So you know how people have that really like, oh, they accept Jesus Christ and everything becomes amazing and they change. And I, I didn't have that story. So my story is like, you know, this is me kind of in, kind of out, uh, got baptized, nothing really changed. But God was always my safe place. I knew what I knew. Um, but what was big, though, was that he was my guiding principle, though. Right. So you go through high school, you go through university, and I would say the influence that God had in my life at that time was a guiding principle. As in, um, when I talk, I'm not talking about like an authoritarian thing. I'm talking about he shaped the decisions I made. So if yeah. you go to university, like that's a whole other world, you know. And for me, I was never extremely Christian, but I wasn't, I wasn't like religious, but I knew what I was doing. Like I knew what was right, what was wrong. And everything I did, like, you know, decisions on why I didn't stuff around, didn't drink, didn't do a lot of drugs. Yes, I have smoked pot before, but that is not my story. Um, was definitely God was my guy in principle. He made mm. me, re- like, if anything, I looked at his principles and I was like, that's how I operate. So, like, at uni it was pretty hard. Like, I actually got, like, singled out by a lecturer for being Christian. Like, he full had a go at me. He was like, oh, wow, you know, like, why would you do that? And I'm like because I don't know how else to be mm. because I don't know how to do life without him. So I'd say it was my guiding principle, my navigator. So it was always something that I would make massive decisions on. Um, I definitely felt at the age of 19, I felt like this strong call to go and do ministry because I loved Sunday school as a kid. I loved it. And I really wanted it. Eh? And I remember mm. feeling it. And I remember standing there in the middle of ECU, Mount Lawley, standing there going, I do not think I am where I'm supposed to be. I do not, and I knew, but then I was like, oh, but I've got these things I need to do, you know, I've got to go to university, I've got to do all this stuff to prove my point to my dad, of course, (laughs) you know, like be be successful. Um, And so after that, I just had, I kind of fell into my, um, you know, the usual like, God is still my guy in principle, I kind of attended church, but it wasn't, I didn't have a personal relationship with him. I just knew that he was this person that I would go to for everything. Mm-hmm. And I knew that his way was the right way. Yeah. And I followed it. I didn't do, like, I was pretty, like, yeah, I'd say you could look at me, but, yeah, she's definitely Christian. Like, um, she prays. She goes to church occasionally, like, pretty consistently, but not, like, every minute of the day. Um, and I did do, like, church leadership. I was a worship leader and stuff like that. Um, that was always in the background. I'm very obedient. Didn't know that. What? Oh, you know. What? Yes. Worship leader. You I was never, coming you, out. Yeah, yeah. I was a worship leader at this Chinese church. Yeah, great. And uh, it's pretty funny because I can't read Chinese and I don't speak Chinese <laughs> that well. But I, um, I was told, you know, hey, be the worship leader of the English service that we're going to run as a trial for this church that's a Chinese church because we want to gauge our ABCs, our Australian-born Chinese community. Yeah. We want to lose them to the Western churches. Yeah. Um, so I remember just like, oh, cool, okay. And I'm extremely obedient. That's my default. I will do the right thing all the time. Mm. I Look, people that don't know me think I'm this hell cheeky, naughty person. I'm just like, you so don't know me. My default is like, like, obedience. <laughs> so I did it. Yeah. And you know what's funny? I had to get someone to translate the Chinese into English. So it was penyin. So what it is, right, it's Chinese words written in English language, but it's sounded to be Chinese so right. that I could sing. sing. I'm telling guys, I'm talking about, were, oh, you're Chinese. I'm like, yeah, but I don't write or read <laughs> Chinese. And my Chinese is really basic. Like it's like, uh, hey, I need a chopstick. How are you? Did you do a poo in the toilet? Brought that up. 
Did you fight? Oh my gosh, it's disgusting. That's all. That's it. I don't do like deep relationship with okay. Jesus music. Right. So I got it translated. So it wrote in Pinyin, which is Chinese, like but using English letters sounding like Chinese phonetics, Pretty right? Much. And then I had to lead worship in a Chinese church wow. with that. I did that, and I did it in English because it was English service. But I understood my audience because I've got a whole bunch of Chinese Chinese people in there, not just the ABCs. Yeah. So I sang it the Chinese version as well. And I tried to find music that was like current. Mm. And it was, um, I did it. And it was really funny because I was like, yeah, because singing is actually one of my passions. But mm. I, no one sees that. Well, I don't. So that I don't know. It's just not like because I don't play a musical instrument. You know, I'm not Eugene Luke. I'm gonna go like, hey man, pick up the guitar, start singing. I heard there was a harp sitting somewhere. <laughs> I do have a harp in my house. I do. I do. Yeah, anyway. I haven't said that I'm gonna keep it, so you know, people can take it if they need. Anyway, so basically, that's my the story so far. So I was kind of that kid. Um, but the biggest turning point for me was I was looking for what I believed that was going to really change everything. Like I knew God was always on the side. That was my morals and stuff like that. But I really wanted – I thought if I could belong to a club of the beautiful people that I would have made in life. Mm. If I could get into that club, the beautiful club, mm. I'm good. So everything that I did, every bit of energy I had, yeah, I believe in God and all that stuff. But everything that was um, pushing me towards waking up and doing everything I did was – totally that i thought if i could get my foot into the beautiful club i would get the love of everything that mm. everything would make sense mm. so i went to uni i did communications um did heaps of volunteer work managed my parents restaurant always had lots of work always yeah. um and then i finally got into a job which was my dream job which was what, what i believed so i was 23 years old and I'd done a Bachelor of Communications and I love public relations and marketing. It's something that I really enjoy. Um, I'm good at it because I've got a gift of gab and things like that. And I like people, which helps. Mm-hmm. And so I got this job and I thought, like, this is this is what I've been waiting for. I got a job as a you know an advertising consultant for Scoop Publishing. And I was like, yeah, 23 yeah. years old, it's a competitive okay. job. I've made it, mm-hmm. you know. And in that job, you know, I was incredibly miserable. Like I'd never felt so miserable in my life. You know, mm. on the outside, I, I believed and I knew that I should feel something, but I was incredibly depressed. Like I was like, yeah, addicted to diet pills. I was I was popping like diet pills and stuff. And I remember that this older lady at my, um, I think there's a lot of power from speaking to different generations because I've seen it. Yeah. It's just not like, she wasn't a Christian, but she worked with me. She used to work for West Australia and then she started working with me at Scoop Publishing. And she looked at, she read all these like, all my like pill stuff and she's like hey man come on you're on speed and I was like Whoa. what and I was extremely tired I was extremely um stressed I was incredibly unhappy and my boss oh man oh the things he did I can't even say it like it's so messed up like I wow. he corroded my um any sort of self-worth I could even have like he got to the point where I would have to share his desk and he was like high up and I would have to share his desk. And as I typed, he would be like, you type too slow. I can't hear enough buttons. It's irritating. Wow. You know, and he would be like, wow. he would critique everything about me, the way I looked and everything like that to like, to, I was nothing. And there was actually no point because everyone's like, it's weird. Like, I don't know why he's doing this to you. Like, it's mm. like, I would be in his office and he would do that every mm. day. 
And, um, and in this industry, like I was, everyone's, it's all built on, it was built like a time, it was built like a lot of gossip and all of that. It's materialism. But I thought that if I was surrounded by that, even if they're putting me down, it's good because I got into the club. And I remember right. I said to my friend who was working with me and I said to her, I was like, oh, like I, I really don't know if I'm doing what I'm meant to be doing. Like I'm really like not okay. Mm. And she said to me, she's like, well, at least you know, like no matter how bad things are, that they don't hire ugly people here. We've got that to hold on to. And I was like, wow. Wow. So my whole entire existence is like based on the fact that I remember wow. it's all good, like for use, it's fine. Guess what? They don't yeah, hire they ugly, people. ugly people. Oh, thank God. Oh my gosh, I'm not ugly. <laughs> Yay. Um, and it's so, it, oh it, just got, it just got so bad. I said to this lady, that same lady that, that told me that, because she looked at me, she goes, I said to her, I was like, do you know what? I keep seeing myself sitting on, on the end of a building and I'm sitting on the ledge and I'm just like, I'm just leaning back and I don't care if I keep falling. Mm-hmm. And she looked at me, she wasn't Christian, but she was like, you, you don't sound okay. And mm-hmm. I was like, well, this is just the way it is. Cause being Christian for me and being myself was two separate things. Like it's, yeah. a, it's a building and it's me. And I got, I remember that being pretty low. And it only got worse. And I, um, you know, I, I just didn't know what to do. I really didn't know what to do. And so I remember the day I got made redundant. It was actually Christmas Day. Wow. So I think my old boss has incredible timing. Like, I think if you listen to my story, it's like, oh, my gosh, this is so tragic. And I'm like, yeah, it is. Built up. <laughs> <laughs> when did you get redundant from your, you know, your dream job? Christmas Day. Um, wow. And I remember I sat in my That's room. Sucky. And, yeah, I know, right? In my heart, I thought, even though I was so depressed and I was, my body was destroyed and my eating disorder was like absolutely rubbish. Also, I worked in the same building as a pastor and he was an accountant upstairs and he said to me, he goes, I remember I was trying to, because I've dressed a certain way for my job and I was really like, I'm not like, you know, a skanky person, sorry my language. And he said to me, he's like, you dress like a tart. <laughs> and I was like, I just, I'm not getting anything. Hey, I'm just hard, you know, I'm just being destroyed yeah. here. Yeah. So um, anyway, so what happened was I, on that day, I was made redundant. Like in my heart, I was like, man, this is so bad. Like even though I didn't want to be there, I thought I was a failure. And I remember I sat in my room on Christmas Day and I refused to go outside. I was like, I'm not going to have a Christmas party with the rest of my family. Stuff that. I'm yeah. freaking miserable. This is the worst day of my life. At the time I thought that. But mm. what – to see in, in retrospect at what it is now, like um, it was, it was a, it was definitely the the dawn of a new beginning, you know. Yeah, and well. and it, it didn't feel good, guys. Like people think that you know, oh yeah, the testimony is all good. I'm like, no, no, it's like so many dips <laughs> and lows and like ups and downs and yeah, like you you, you, you yeah, Tommy, like this is the worst day of my life, and then yeah. it turns around and it's kind of like a low increase. It's mm. never a high increase, I wouldn't say. So anyway, what happened was, I don't want to like talk too much, but I love talking, I know that, um, is that I was really depressed, but then I was like, oh, you know what, what am I going to do? And it was really crazy, the timing, right? So as I was going through this with my work, my dad, who my whole life was like, none of that speaking tongue stuff, right? Like we were talking, <laughs> we're all Baptists, okay? This is how it is. This is the word and the Baptist. And I was like, cool, cool, cool. All right. So in the background of all this happening, my dad um, becomes a born-again Christian. 
And yeah, yeah, I mean, we've been Christian our whole entire life, but this is different. This is another level. Like this Mm. is nothing. This is like, I don't know. So I knew my dad. My dad is your, it either is or isn't. He doesn't fudge things. He doesn't say things he doesn't mean. Mm. My dad is, it's either it or not. Okay. So in the background, right, he becomes born again Christian because you know what happened, right? My dad always helps me. One thing that my, I've, phenomenally respect my dad for no matter how horrible he was when he was in a really bad mental health state Mm. he was incredibly generous and incredibly caring right so this is what happened that's where you get it from uh, (laughs) sometimes and so what happened was he um he offered to help um this very well like pentecostal pastor help him with like um pest control of course my dad can do pest control. I mean, he's a chef. He's a pest control. <laughs> he, he helps people with citizenship papers. He does he's all the things. Yeah, he is. He is. So he decides to do that for him. So he goes, I'll, I'll sort out your cockroach problem. This is a house in Moonbooker. And my dad does it. And the guy, so my dad fixes it for him. And there's two passes there. And this guy, we've always known him as the charismatic Pentecostal pastor. Like, oh, that pastor. <laughs> Avoid him. Very happy one. And what happened was, he's Asian, as you can tell with the change in accent I had. Um, he, he praised my dad. He just decides. He said, oh, yeah, well, the pastor, I went to the toilet and I just felt God said, pray for you. So my dad's like in his cockroach-infested house trying to get rid of cockroaches and they're like, can we pray for you? And they prayed for him. And I would say that day changed my life, eh? Because I had, you know, left Scoop and very soon after my dad had this day and mm. I started a job at Dottie and I was like, okay. And um, my dad was slaying the spirit for about three to six hours, I think. Mm. I got a number of missed calls from my mother. I was like, what the heck's going on? Mm. And I come back and my mom's like, your, your father has changed. And I was like, what do you mean? And I saw this person that was like, my dad, my father, so stubborn. He would like, he would allow me to say this. The hardest man I know passed out involuntarily. <laughs> In a cockroach infested house with a bunch of Vietnamese people he doesn't know, for three to six hours saying the weirdest, most spiritual, full on stuff, completely out of control, no control over himself whatsoever. Yeah. I was like, who's that? Yeah. So, because of that, and my dad was completely sold out. He was like, you know what? Speaking in tongues, that's normal. Being slain in the spirit's normal. And I'm like, Dad. Wow. I remember I went to a church and you said to me, if yeah, they're yeah. jumping and singing, you leave. Yeah, there you go. And I was like, okay. But to be honest, I just jumped and sang as well. We were so joyful. Um, anyway, so my dad, I was like, this guy's gone, you know, 360. And I was in a point in my life where I was like, I didn't really know myself. I'd lost this job. I was like, I don't know where I am. Mm. And so I was like, cool, I'm gonna, I'm gonna check this out. So I did. I went to with my dad to this like super weird Asian Pentecostal. Asians, we're just crazy. Like, I'm, I'm sorry, we are mental, like we're just a bit more like intense. And then you've got the Pentecostal side, I'm like was full gospel and I was like, whoa. So I I looked at my dad and I said, I want that. Mm. Because the God that I knew, that I thought I knew was a God that was like, you know, God of nice things, like this is the right way to live. Yeah, that's right. great. It's good. Good, wow. you know, good guiding principles, um, hope, that's great. Mm. A good, beautiful narrative. But the God that I saw that came from my dad was a God that changes lives. Yeah. A God that transforms something that could never be transformed. My father was my father. My family was my family. I live with them every day. I know what that was. Yeah. And so when I saw that, I was like, I wanted that. I don't know what it is, but I want it. Mm. And it was insane. Like I would say that I felt like I was baptized by fire in the sense that I went from being extremely conservative to extreme the other way, like the other. No, I'm not talking about like cool Hillsong, Pentecost. I'm talking about like crazy, like 
you know, like during youth group, it's like, yeah, what do we do at youth group? Um, we like, people get possessed and we like deliver them and stuff. And I'm like, what? Wow. Like, you know, people are levitating and they're like filled with something else because they're like from a weird Asian background and we're like people being slain. Wow. I'm like, what? This is in Perth. I was like, what are we doing? Wow. How do I explain to people what I do on Friday nights? I'm like, I, I can't say anything. I don't even know. But my dad completely changed it. Everything changed in my life. My whole entire family changed. We were just changed. And when it's wow. crazy, right? And I think from that point onwards, I I kind of went, cool, what am I going to do with my life? And so mm. when I was 19, I said, oh, I'm not meant to be in this university. At 23, what does God do? Mm. He, he lets you have what you want, right? He lets you have what you want. Yeah. And it was crap. It was the worst place I could ever be. I remember Hillary, that lady that said that helped me, she called me after she also got made redundant, and she just said to me, she goes, I could not stay at that place. And I said, why? She said, as a human being. So she's a 65-year-old lady. She's like, I could not live with myself knowing what you went through. And I was like, what? She's like, that was, that was disgusting abuse. I think she wanted me to go to court and sue them because it was that bad. But we didn't do that because God had other plans. Anyway, so what happens is, right, I was really, I was, I was, I was, oh, is it right to say that you're fertile ground? Yeah, it's so weird. <laughs> like, <laughs> fertile ground. Yeah, I was, I was. I was like, come on, man. I've lost everything. Who cares? I think when you get reckless, it's good. Um, at the beginning, anyway, not forever. So um, I, uh, yeah, was kind of on this journey of being born again and stuff. And so I, um, I made a. So I was sitting in. Um, we've been passing ideas of what I was going to do. I was working at Dotty and all that type of stuff. Or maybe I was working at Bunnings. Oh, it was all, all these jobs. Anyway. Oh, you've had a few jobs. I've had a few jobs, Bunnings. Hmm. And then what happened was I was like, no, I was working at. I was working. At, I was still working at Dotty at the time. And so what happened was I was like, okay, cool. Went to this new church, became born again. I was like, whoa, what's this Holy Spirit stuff? It's so crazy. I think something spirit's normal. And then I um, I don't know why there's an idea in my mind, but there was the idea of Bible college came up, right? Mm-hmm. And so I was driving along Warport Street. I still remember it. Warport Street in you know Perth. And I remember I heard an ad on 98.5. I mean, I, I never listened to Christian Channel because it's to me it's like, you know, get away because it's so Christian. Um, I was listening to it that day. And an ad for Bible College came up as I was driving on Walcott Street. And I was like, oh, of course there's going to be an ad. I mean, it's like a Christian channel. But something happened in my spirit. It was like a real unction. I was like, stop it. I mean, I love puppies. I get excited about everything. So I was like, ah, maybe this is not it. Hmm. Um, so I said to myself, I said, God, you know I'm a, a science girl. Like I have to see stuff for what it is. I love symbolism and all that stuff. I said, you need to show me like a really big sign. If you don't show me a big sign, I ain't going to do Bible College. No way. Hmm. As I'm driving on Walcott Street, right, all of a sudden a white station wagon um, overtakes me. And the white station wagon, you know, it's, there's a stick on the back of the white station wagon, not not on the actual, actually on the window of right. the back of the white station wagon. It was, what will you do with eternity? I was like, oh, that's not even an ad. That was actually like a homemade sticker. Yeah. And I was like, it wasn't part of a church. And I, I was like, what? And I, come on, God, are you so, so I asked you for a sign. So all of a sudden, the car on Walcott Street in, in Perth overtakes me. And what does it say? Mm. What will you do with eternity? Yeah. And I went, mm, I'd have to be deaf or like, reti- like that's, that's bad. That's a terrible <laughs> word, sorry. Is it incorrect? <laughs> I would be like seriously stupid or blind if I didn't say, that might be a sign. Mm-hmm. The timing was too impeccable. I'm so sorry, guys. If you learn anything as a Christian, 
God's timing is impeccable. It is. It beats script writers. I'm a script writer. I know. Mm. He literally makes script writers look silly. Yeah. You yeah. can't. You can't write this. It's too good. Yeah. So from that point onwards, I kind of went on this crazy journey uh, of just getting thrown into Bible college. It kind of all went in a like it was so crazy. And I I remember the first time God spoke to me. I mean, people think you sound crazy, and most people in the real world would think that we have schizophrenia, like because we often say something sticks <laughs> to us. Um, but I was just sitting on a log. It, it's too good. It's like a Nicholas Sparks Christian movie. Um, I was sitting on this log on on this camp, youth intensive, and I remember thinking to myself, "I'm going to give up Bible college because you don't make money." But I was sitting on this log, and I was like, "I'm just going to give this a go, right? One week's fine." Sat on this log. And I felt this so strongly in, I didn't hear a voice. And it was like, God is here. I never heard that. What I did though, was in my soul, like in your, like, you're not thinking this. You're thinking I'm hungry when I'm going to have cornflakes or whatever. But it was so deep <laughs> in me. It was like, you know, you can see the sun and it was like early in the morning. It was super cold. Uh, it was a Fairbridge. I hate that place. So sorry, Fairbridge, if you're listening to this. And it was like, set women free. Mm. And I was like, No. Like, probably not. Yeah, probably not. Nah. No, right. God. Because I don't know what you're talking about. B, I'm nuts. C, this is what this sounds like. It doesn't sound like anything. It just, I feel mm-hmm. it in my, my chest, mm-hmm. on my stomach. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't do pamper nights. So I suck. I don't fit into women's ministry. You, you need to find someone else. Right. And since then, it's been quite a crazy journey of God really putting me on this journey of, I think setting me free first. Setting you free. Do you feel free? Mostly. Yeah. But when I have a conversation with you right now, not so much. I am connected to... <laughs> I'm connected to... A this. lapel microphone. You yeah, cannot run. Cool. Yeah. I, I feel like if I run, I'm going to like cause a lot of trouble for your phone. Oh, no. It'll be fine. It'll be fine? It'll just, yeah, yeah. But I'm mostly... I'm mostly... I'm probably the most free I've ever felt in my life. Would be now. Like, I'm not telling you guys I'm this like superwoman warrior, but this is probably the most free... I felt in my life. Was so that me? Far. It means I don't know how much better it will get because I've still got many years to go ahead of me. Um, but it's free for me is the fact that I can actually make choices for myself. Freedom looks to me to be a woman that is able to understand my faults and my strengths, depending. If I have my period, then I'm just all negative. I'm very sorry about that. I just like, I'm so insecure. <laughs> but most of the time, besides those times of the month, <laughs> I, 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 um, I'm able to recognize and I'm starting to more so myself be able to walk into a wavelength where I can be intelligent, I can be funny, I can be silly, I can be beautiful, I can be rotten and have a bad mood and it's still okay. And to all this feel like every time anything happens, I can still lean into something far greater than myself. And I live in that constant tension. That's what it looks like for me, freedom. Time goes by looking for a glimpse.
glimpse into your eyes My mind is changing And I'm seeing things clear I'm seeing your face clear I was traveling Through the eye of a storm I have been there Many years before Now I'm swimming In an ocean of your love I wanna be in love Right now I wanna change my life Into something that the world has never seen Through the time I spent 